the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. Good evening, Malcolm Blight and David Wildey. Sports Day SA, all thanks to Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, the Polaris MY23 plate clearance on now. Save up to three grand on selected models. If you want to give us a call, one 736 736 Plenty to talk about. Matilda's 4-0. Well, hey. How good were they? Fantastic. Australia, not so good. Went down 2-all. Perhaps a fair assessment of the, um, the way the series went. Maybe England were even the... They're better team over the five tests, but two all Australia retained the Ashes and, and more fallout too from the, the clash between um, Lockie Jones and Alira. Alira's a welcome, the great man. Malcolm Blight, bloody how are you? Yeah, good, David. Yeah, the Matildas were good, weren't they? They uh, did it without Sam Kerr. We flicked, uh, flicked, flicked backwards and forwards a bit last night, Patsy and I, and uh, quite enjoyed the girls' win. Did you think that having her on the sidelines, they took a calculated risk if we're in trouble, we just got to... Go for it. Didn't they, she wasn't required. No. Get an early goal, then another goal, and then the game was all over. Yeah, it was actually. Uh, it, one of the things I'd forgotten, Patsy reminded me that they were Olympic champions. They were. Canada. Yeah. I'd sort of vanished. I thought USA, but they were actually the world champions and won the one before. So when I was sitting there, because I hadn't watched a lot of it, to be perfectly honest, but I didn't. I thought, oh, hell, that's a, that's a really good win. What did you make? Uh, well done, the girls. Now they've got to keep going there. Yep. The cricket ball, bloody! I was uh, watching last night. Yeah, I did too. Now, the ball did nothing the day before. And, of Correct. course, the conditions were different, overcast and a bit of rain and maybe sweat under the covers. But they compared the two balls. One oh, looked like no. a new cherry. One looked like it had been going around the track for 100 overs. I know it's in the rules, but surely they've had uh, cricket balls that, um, you know, can be a little bit more similar. It did look, it did look a bit, I won't say suspect, because someone mentioned me today, I remember we swapped the ball, I think, in the Lord's Test. Oh, they've had heaps of balls. Yeah, so they go out of shape. They put yeah, it through the, yeah. you know, the ring. So, but it was, the, it was one was white, the other one was nearly red. I mean, it was amazing, really. We can hear from Ricky Ponting about the change of ball. The big thing was that ball. My first day they changed that ball, I knew straight away this ball's very different. I went straight up to Kumar um, and said, what... How old is this ball you've given him? Because it feels like it's about eight overs old. Um, you can see the riding on both sides, and it hit my bat so hard. Um, but they changed the ball because they say they got damaged. But that new ball that came in, when it hit my bat, I mean, I've opened the innings, every single innings, this Ashes series, and I haven't felt a ball hit my bat as hard as that ball felt when it hit my bat. So some things you can't control in this game. It's disappointing for us. The biggest concern I have is just the big discrepancy in the condition of the ball that was chosen to replace the one. There's, there's no way in the world you can even look at those two balls there and say in any way are they comparable. And at the end of the day, if you are going to change the ball, you want to make sure you get it right to the, the, as close as you possibly can to the one that you're changing it from. I just cannot fathom how two international umpires that have done that a lot of times before can actually get that so wrong. That is a huge moment in this game, potentially a huge moment in the test match. I think it's a huge blunder that needs to be investigated. Ricky might not know, though, that they can only choose from the balls they've got. Maybe it wasn't, wasn't a ball anywhere near like the, the other one that had been bashed around the day before. No, but I reckon that you'd have a way of doing that. And I'd have this had 100 runs on it, that had 150, this had 200. Wouldn't you have a... a I think goes an overs bowl with yeah, yeah. on bat. And a yeah. bat, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, it, it, well, that shows you how unprofessional it is if they haven't done that. But they've been doing that for years. Sometimes the ball went too far. They they didn't snick it too, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a difference. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to say that one lost the game because Travis Head and Steve Smith 
put Australia into almost, almost unlosable yeah. position. Yes, they did. And yet Australia lost. Yeah, they did. So, okay, we can take some calls too, and uh, good to have callers. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I know you want to still speak about uh, Aaliyah, and we've got Doc Peter Larkins on to see what his assessment of the whole thing is. But yeah. let's welcome Sparrow. Hello, Sparrow. Yeah, g'day, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Good. Good. That's great. Just on the previous conversation with Jared and and Kane, with a team that hasn't won. For up after four games under two goals, I think it's the Cats, isn't it? The team that has what? I, yeah, we. I think we've won. I think we've drawn one, lost four. In under the... two goals this season. Yeah. Just bloody. Just a quick one on you on your thoughts, buddy. I mean, obviously we've missed Burwood in that midfield. Just obviously injuries and form, and I just say a whole lot of factors have contributed. So just moving forward, we haven't got a ruckman as such. And with Mark Fitchard's there for the season, and, and Reece Stanley's struggling still, hasn't, hasn't really played much footy, what do you think of getting Grundy and perhaps Crouch next season? Mate, I've, if, if Geelong have done one thing over the last 30 years since I was involved with them, they have been sensational. Recruiting. Sensational at recruiting. Yeah. They develop players beautifully and they do recruit really well. Crouch would fit in there. Yeah, I, I would suggest right now, Chris Scott, the whole team there, they don't want to let this slip. They want to keep playing finals. They want to keep turning up as best they can. I, I do think, don't be disappointed. They'll be after someone. They've done it for 20 or 30 years now. Yeah, I... They're not going to give it away yet, though. I'll give you a guarantee. Do you think some like Tui Hawkins, um, Isaac Smith, they might, they're going to have to make some decisions on some of the older legs? They are getting in still yeah, an old yeah. side. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, there'll be a couple go this year, like there was Mitch last Duncan's year. Duncan's been yeah, around yeah, a long yeah, while. Time. Yeah, but there'll be a couple more go yeah. this year. And hopefully some of those young blokes will come but along. Spiro's right. I yeah. think Grundy and Crouch yeah. on that skinny little ground yeah. would, be, would be good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from Spiro to John. Hi, John. Hi, Wilkes, Malcolm. Hey, uh, fellas. Well, um, that's for you to the same. Malcolm always talks about the great Garfield Sobers. Unfortunately, I just missed him. I've heard and read about how good he's three great, not good, great cricketers in one. The best I've seen is arguably, I think, just that Australia. I've said that many a time. It's a late, great chain warm. Who's the best cricket you've ever seen? And I want to make a comment about the cricket. Cricket? Well, they reckon the best cricketer overall was Gary Sobers. I saw him as a young boy. He's averaged nearly 60 yeah. with the bat, 235 yeah, wickets, and a great fielder. But um, I still yeah. I still like, for pure talent, Adam Gilchrist with a, oh. you know, averaging yeah. 50 with a bat, a keep he records with the gloves. Did he, did he, uh, he, he almost changed more games than anyone else I'd ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I loved him. Oh, I yeah. But the, the bloke I'd put in there as well, if you're going to put Gilchrist in, there's... Yeah, he's yep. a good player. Well, there you go. A keeper that yeah. could also average around 60 with a yeah. bat. Yeah. No, no, no. This test series was actually great for the world game, I think. Um, I'm sure a mixed series. I want Australia to win, but to all probably a fair result and a great result because the bigger world was watching and um, a long-lived test cricket. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I, I must admit, I love 
every ball. I tried to stay up as late as oh, I could, yeah, generally well after midnight. <laughs> I crawled in the bed, but as I said, it was played, and I think played in pretty good spirit. They're talking about the um, Aussies not having a drink after in the dressing rooms, but Stoke said he invited them to a, yeah. a club after to sit down and have a drink, so nothing wrong there. Hello, Troy. Hey, how you going, boys? Good Troy. I know you're good. Hey, um, oh, happy birthday to the horses. Oh, in thank the you. Southern Hemisphere, boys. Travis Boat's you know, birthday, too. Hemisphere... Okay. Um, but in the Northern Hemisphere, their birthday's on the 1st of January. I didn't know if you know that or not. Yeah, I did know that uh, that was the case. And I, I actually, you, you, you're not, have a look at this. At the top of my page, horse's birthday yeah. on my sheet. Oh, here. Bokey's 35 today. Oh, yeah. I apologise, Malcolm. Sorry, I'll, Troy. I'm, I'm, but I'll thank hang you. up now and yeah. let you do the rest of the show, okay? <laughs> 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 um, you're talking about, now, I'm not being rude, you're talking about balls. Yep. I want to talk about a, um, a, a thing I heard on the radio with the cricket, especially last night. It wasn't on. This station, apologies for that. But they, were, they got a, a gadget or something, technology, I'll say, mm. and they can tell how much the ball actually swings in the air and off the seam on the pitch. Yeah. Right, that's one technology the AFL could look at. The other one is in the World Cup soccer, that they're playing, the women are playing right now, which the Aussies are doing really well, is... The ball they're using there has a motion sensor inside it and there's a special material or covering they got over the ball which makes it more aerodynamic. So if the AFL do that with the, um, the footy mouth, you might see more um, torpedoes. I, I, you know, I, I, I wrote a story about this. I reckon, Troy, it must have been 20 years ago. To track the ball? To, to track the ball. And I said, there's got to be something. We, like I call, I think I might have called it a transmitter you could put into a football now that they've got smaller and better and all that. That You know, all that stuff. Well, they've done it with the soccer. Yeah. And I think the girls have, you wear something and they can tell. They were saying that the offside is definitive now where the, yeah. where the ball is and where the player yeah, is. There was, a, there was a replay last yeah. night I just so, flipped over. No, I, I, that, Troy makes a great point, but... You, you said this years ago that you thought... Yeah, I thought a transmitter in the boy called me silly. But why, why do they need to track the ball? Uh, because then you can do the stats, you can do everything. You can help players coach where they run, what you're doing with the ball. There's a whole gamut of things you can actually do. Isn't, it, doing? isn't it funny we worry about changing a cricket ball? They change the football about 100 times during the... Yeah. Just take one out of a bin, don't they? Yeah. Now, They're all the same, though. Yeah, now, I'm gonna, we, we started a discussion last night. I'm going to switch back onto yeah. this. Buddy Franklin. Yep. The, the great man, Buddy Franklin's going to retire. Also, Shannon Hearn announced his retirement today, 35-year-old. Up against the Crows. Yeah, 332 games. Uh, good 18, career. Yeah, Very good really career. Very good career. I did something today, David, and we talked about in the century, the team of the century. Yes. The forward line players, just to go that over That was to 1996, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Royce Hart sent our forward, Alex Jezelenko and Dick Reynolds on the flanks. Lee Matthews, John Coleman at full forward, and Hayden Buck. They're all names that are massive, massive names. On the interchange was Gary Ablett Sr., Jack Dyer, and Greg Williams. Yep. And what we talked about, would Buddy Franklin would Buddy Franklin take one of those positions with his career that he's just about to finish? Yeah, I've 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 whipped out Alex Jeselinka and put in Buddy Franklin. <laughs> yeah. That but but um, th we think Buddy Franklin he's modern. 
Jezza was only a young boy. You played against Jezza, and I know he's a wonderful player. Yeah, they're all wonderful players. You're on the team of the hundred years. Yeah, you're on the you're on the you're in the nominal squad. Yeah, but Franklin, I think, gets a spot somewhere. You have to. Well, I'll tell you what. This is I did this today, David, just because of you. I know you've loved him. I've loved him too for different reasons. He's got nine out of the ten great qualities of any footballer I've ever seen. These guys, there are eight players that have kicked over 400 goals in the last 20 years. Yep. Jack Rewald, Tom Hawkins, Taylor Walker, Jeremy Cameron, Tom Lynch, Nick Rewald, Josh Kennedy and Lance Franklin. All over 400, yep. All over 400 goals. Only one over 1,000. Yeah. There is one player, Nick Rewald, of course, and Josh Kennedy have now retired. They averaged between 2.1... And three goals only. When you look back at the Hudsons, the Dunstall, well, Hudson the five point six four. Yeah, all, all all that Lockett, Dunstall, Gary Albert Senior when he played in the forward line. These are nearly a half to what yeah. those guys got. Different game now. You right. agree? Yeah. Team defence took over. Yeah. You know, sort of 15, 20 yeah. years ago, whenever it was it's crowded. You now. know, I, I missed I missed the memo that day too. I must. No one sent it to me. And I've, I hate it ever since. But anyhow, by the same token, you know there is one player out of those, we call them very good to great players over the last 20 years. Goal kickers, big goal kickers, not talking smalls. They up and down the ground a bit, but mainly full forward, centre forward, that sort of stuff. There is only one player out of that list that's averaged three goals per game, exactly, and he is a half a goal in front of... The other seven. It's at least 20% better than the next. 20% better than the next. At the, One at, of those. Under this team defence, 20 blokes, 30 blokes in the forward line, jam it in, all that sort of well, stuff. Well, just going on numbers, it'd have to be, it'd have to be Franklin. He's kicked over 1,000. So I'm going, buddy. Congratulations. Would you have thought that, though? No, I didn't. So does that help the, um, the argument that where he sits in the standings? Yes, yes it does. I think it does. I think if you look at all those other players, and we all think they're fantastic, I think Hawkins, Hawkins probably gave more away, yes. uh, but that's okay. And don't be at Franklin's kick more behinds than yeah, anyone pro- else probably, do. Yeah, but they don't win your games of footy, mate. I've found goals win most games. So, I mean, Buddy is 20% better than any other goal-kicking forward big fella in the last Amazing. 20 years. Yeah. No, I, so, I, I, I think maybe... He gets a spot. Maybe he could be on the bench. On the bench. Bench and on the bench. So you still have Jezza in front of him? Yeah, I th- just at the moment, I would. I, I'm going to need some thought. I'd like to dissect their careers a little bit. We'll, we can see what Alex did and, and what Buddy's done and see where... He's eight-time All-Australian, Franklin. Yeah, can I tell you something? Eight-time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he was a bit lucky in a couple. Well, maybe. But All right, let's say six-time. Still not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, big show coming up. Um, we're going to speak with uh, Dr. Peter Larkins about that oh, yes. clash. So lots unfolded today. They're, they're talking fines. Both players have said last night, will not be playing. So two big outs for Port Adelaide, two big outs for Geelong, two with Blixarves and Hawkins. All thanks to Kia, official part of the FIFA Women's World Cup. How good was that last night? Matilda's 4-0. The World Cup has arrived in Adelaide. Tantania, visit fifa.com slash tickets. And also Harry Schonberg. No, you don't mind, Harry. No, got a bit Something of Something about Harry. Yep. And uh, where's Mark Bickley's number? We'll speak with uh, Harry Schonberg. And good to see him back on the side. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. 
Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Sports Day SA, Malcolm Blight and David Woody, all thanks to Mate. A try Mate for $1 and get double data on selected at mobile plans. Hey, David, just quickly, uh, uh, Jade Sheedy is going to finish up at the Woodville West Torrance yeah. Football Club after premierships in 2021. And I got an email today from the president of the Woodville West Torrance Football Club saying that he'd... Uh, He's going to step aside at the end of the year. Could be burnt out, you reckon? He's, uh, he's been really good, yeah, hasn't excellent, he? Excellent. A couple excellent. of premierships. And the other thing I heard today too, James Borlase, uh, first game for the Adelaide Football Club. Obviously, his father played at Port Adelaide. So yeah, that's a, that's Darryl, a, yeah, wonderful player. Yeah, so that's a great thing for him too. And the Matildas coach not going to get sacked after a win. Oh, what about oh, that? I don't, know don't, that be, oh, it really annoys man. me. It, it really, all those dickheads that said that, Publicly and or in social, you know, I'm glad I'm not on social media with that but sort of some rubbish. Were, some were soccer. Um, I don't care. Journalists, well, I they, thought well, they know nothing. Then easy target. Maybe they thought they'd go out in straight sets, yeah, but uh, they didn't. Okay, true or false for mate? True or false, Malcolm? England overall were the better side in Marge, the five test ashes. Uh, can I just say uh, the scoreboard said two all, so it was a draw. Okay, you're not taking into account the... No, not taking anything into account. It's the final sign. Either either win by goal... So is that true know. or false then? Uh, it's, it, it's half... It's a 50% of each. Oh, gee, you make your own rules. Yes, I do. Go on. My first true or false. Buddy Franklin has been the most exciting player to watch in the last 20 years. Oh, true, 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 true. I know You love him, don't you? Well, he's, he's my favourite player. Yeah, okay. And I must admit, as I said... People have jumped on the bandwagon. The line. I said this five years ago. Yes, and you People did. said, nah, there's better players than Buddy. Now they're all saying he's arguably oh, the best. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lumo Energy SA switched to the affirmative. Join Lumo Energy today. Right. Here's one for Malcolm Jack Blight. Now, this one I didn't know. Is it true your late mother was one of 15 children? <laughs> one, <laughs> sort of this, this someone told common. me. Yeah, yeah, no, and now, I don't know if it's true or false. Can I tell you something? sounds a bit like a story, like no, a fable. Can I, like can, a... can I tell you something? My mother, my dear mother, was the eldest of 15 children. 15? Yes, my grandparents had 15 kids. I bet you the family tree's gone in all different directions. You yeah, couldn't keep up with yeah, all of them. Yeah, they certainly have. Yeah. All, all right. right. There you go. And from Lirup, uh, then moved into Renmark. So Riverland people uh, were my mum's parents. And family. Uh, number two for me and true or false. What a good question, David. Thanks for that. I can't believe it. Is that why you had your footy number 15? Yeah, it could have been the one of the reasons. Okay. Well, I was just giving it. Uh, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> uh, Shannon's Hearns, his career at the West Coast Eagles, captain, premiership player, has been exceptional. Oh, true. Yeah. A terrific player, Shannon Hearn. Good on you. And one more for you. True or false, it's going to be a massive game, massive game this week, Gold Coast v Adelaide. And is it a danger game? How much of a danger game is with Gold Coast? No defenders at... True, true and true. And my last one for you, the Alia Alia concussion saga should never be repeated. Oh, true. And I don't yeah. think it will be. No. I think all lies now concussion. In fact, after the break, we're going to speak with Dr. Peter Larkins and also young gun... Harry Schonberg, which I'm looking forward to. This is Sports Day SA. This is Malcolm Blight and David Wildey. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.
Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Sports Day SA, Malcolm Blight and, and David Wildey for Toolkit Depot. Gear up for winter at the Toolkit Depot. A huge range of outdoor power equipment and winter workwear. Well, Malcolm, the big story has been the collision between Aaliyah Aaliyah and Lockie Jones and the fact yep. that Aaliyah came back on. We were staggered during the call, as were most of the people watching on the TV and uh, and all around the nation. Well, a man that knows all about injuries and concussions and that, he's a resident doctor, a great bloke too, Dr Peter Lark, as he joins us now. Doc, thanks for your time. And can I ask you what was your first reaction when you, whether you saw it live or whether you saw replay that collision? No, I did see it live, guys. Good evening, uh, Blighty, Dave. Um, look, my first reaction was they're both gone for the night, I'll be honest. Mm. Uh, whether I was looking at it medically or as a footy fan, I think we've seen so many examples of blokes, uh, you know, clash heads, whether it's teammates or opposition, and then they go down and they just don't react on the ground or they have this rag doll appearance on the way down. So rag doll is when you lose awareness of where you are and you just collapse literally like a doll. And, and I think that was sort of the vision that it struck me because clearly there was seven or eight different angles shown. We got repeated and repeated. And I, I, my immediate reaction was, you know, they're gone for the night, to be honest. Yeah, Lockie Jones sort of went down with one arm still in the air. No no doctor wants to put their, their players at risk. Uh, is there any any sort of thinking you can see the reason why the Port Adelaide doctor would have let Aaliyah go back on? Well, I know the reason that he would have, because Mark Fisher we're talking about, very experienced, been at Port for a long time, been with other you know national team work, and he's not one of the young blokes on the scene, if you know what I mean. And I mean, he basically went out and he was speaking to Aaliyah, and I could see them communicating. The TV did show that. So Aaliyah was speaking to him and obviously walked off under his own, um, you know, um, under his own means, but then the conversation on the sidelines is really what determines what happened next, guys. And so this initial head injury assessment um, is really looking at orientation, whether the bloke knows what planet he's on and whether he's coherent and lucid. And I understand that Alir Alir was completely like that, whereas Jones was more stunned and he had a headache developing. So I think it was obvious that he needed to have a more detailed assessment done. But the decision on the sidelines is based on two things. One, the vision, and I'll come back to that. And secondly, on how the player is reacting on the sideline. So the decision not to do a detailed concussion test, which was surprising, but it was based on the fact that Lear Lear was so coherent and lucid and and wasn't showing any symptoms. But the thing that's really changed concussion in in footy has been the vision. And and Mm. it's mandated that the club doctors have to look at that. And we're all looking at it at home because it's being thrown at our face by the media and you know, and over and in. I think everyone saw the reaction at the time. So it was a little bit of unusual that it, he went back on, given the way it came across in the optics of the uh, of the vision of the collision. Doc, I, yeah, I was at the Gold Coast Suns and, and went through this with the doctors and the medical staff and all the trainers up there, and they showed these little bits of what you need to do. And as you've just said, the vision was vitally important to helping the diagnosis, and that was quite explained. Mark Bickley talked about it last night when he coached the Crows for a short period of time. So this has been in for a long time. This is not rookie stuff, is it? This has been around for a very long time. No, no, Malcolm. It, it, it's the biggest um, change for the doctors. And, in fact, it's mandated that they have to look at it. Because, you know, when it, when it happens live and you might be looking at a player's knee or, you know, doing something else, you don't actually necessarily see the live game. 
and the player, you know, is down on the ground, you rush out, you talk to him, and, and he may not be able to give you an example. So the, the doctors are required, and they're fed the information on a laptop by the AFL uh, feed. And so it's mandated that they have to look at that to determine. Because often you only get this, you know, five or ten second window when you see the yes. player's reaction. And Jones is a great one. His arms reach for the sky. I used to call it the praise the Lord position, Malcolm. You know, where yeah. the player looks like he's... he's and, and that's when the brain switches off. So that was pretty obvious to me that he was in that concussed um, position of his, his brain whereas with Alira Lear when you look at the vision he ragdolls as I call it he spins in midair he doesn't break his fall on the way down and then he lies motionless there. and clearly it was a head injury I mean he had the laceration over the side of his jaw so so the vision when when you talk to him he might say he's fine because all players say they're fine 30 seconds later sometimes mm. after this but you look at the vision and, and that really should have tipped the, and I understand a SCAT test the sports concussion assessment test that wasn't done on a lear because they thought he was too good. But I think in retrospect, they're probably reconsidering that decision. The focus has been there. Um, and I, and I, I wonder now, you know, if they look at it, they say, well, maybe we should have done that. Because I think our attitude with the head injury, mental health, the CTE, the litigation guys, is that, you know, when in doubt, you make the right decision. And, and you know what? If you make the wrong call, the coach will yell at you for calling it concussion. But you can actually overturn that yeah. during the week with AFL permission and the player still plays the following week if you say, I stuffed up. But to do it this way and have the scrutiny, it sort of looks bad. And, and now they're both not going to play against Geelong on the weekend. Yeah, he's admitted his mistake. And I don't know whether he's pressured into that or, or whatever. But um... oh, no, I doubt. I really doubt that. I mean, Mark, Mark Fisher is very experienced. I think, look, you know, you, you make 100 calls in a, in a week as a footy doctor. It might be about a tight hamstring. Do you put them back on or not? Or a guy's got a little bit of a loose shoulder. So, you know, no one's got a perfect record, either in coaching or medically. So I think... Fish, as we call him, Mark Fisher would, would admit yeah. that he'd like his time again, um, and he's put his hand up, I believe. Um, but I don't think he was under pressure from anybody. I don't think Kenny Hinckley or anyone should be pressuring Dockers, and I don't believe they did. Could you have a, almost a, a third umpire and um, have an independent doctor there, Peter? If um, yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone obviously wants to look after their team and the player as well, but sometimes maybe yeah. it can be slightly clouded. Yeah, David, it's been talked about for a few years. The doctors initially resisted it. I think now some of them are glad to have it taken out of their hands and say, yeah, make it the AFL's responsibility. And um, they can fund having, you know, well-trained, and I mean well-trained doctors on the sidelines who know footy and know it. I mean, there is a third independent umpire looking at the vision, and if a doctor doesn't see the vision properly or, or misses it, he gets a message on his iPad or the laptop from the um, above from the doctors and I know a couple of doctors that are doing that job independently and they say look you better go and look at David or you better go and look at Blighty because I think he had a head knock and if the doctor's missed it he'll say thank you very much. The doctor still makes the call so there is a second opinion or an input going on but the decision about whether the player goes back on or not is, is the club doctor at the present time but there is a push to take it completely away um, and I think that sort of suggest that the doctors aren't doing the right thing by the player and putting the club ahead of the player and I really don't think that happens guys Doc I've been around a long time I, I, I yeah I've always been amazed at the doctors in, in a you know in, in a combative sport I've seen guys being stitched another one being concussed another one with a crook ankle all in the state of two minutes and every doc I've seen do it is so calm in the response you know they do it the, almost organized no, this one's worse, this one's second worse, da 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 da. So this this whole process Yeah. They just go through it. Yep. I've seen them do it so many times. I, yep. one of the problems is today, I was talking to someone who's been around the footy scene for a, a very, very long time. He he made the comment he doesn't think it's a great look for the medical profession in the AFL. 
I know this is one decision, but it's one decision that's, you know, it's 100% wrong. We get that, we get that, but it doesn't look great for the whole industry. You mean you mean the earlier earlier yeah. case? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Look, I think every club doctor will be looking at that, and they wouldn't want to be in Mark's shoes on on the night. And everyone can be an armchair expert from the cheap seats just at the back of the, the stand. But um, but you're right. I mean, every club. But I think you know, there's such a focus, isn't there, Malcolm, in yep. the media about what's going on with litigation with some of the guys that you played with, some of the more recent players. You know, it's, we, we, we're taking it seriously, and so. I think, you know, when there's a case like that where a player's clearly had a head injury, that he, he, he's on the ground, the game stops, I, I think the look from, you know, the non-experts as well as the experts was, well, it probably was a concussion and he should have had a concussion test. And I think Fish, with his time over, will probably say that again. So, I mean, you know, he's got an incredible track record of doing a good job. So, you know, I don't know if you ever made a mistake coaching Malcolm. I've made a mistake occasionally, but... You know, the issue for that one, there's incredible pressure, and I think the message is pretty strong. It looked bad on the night. If you're in doubt, you go ahead and do the concussion test. It's going to take 15 minutes of the player out of the game, mm. and, and, you know, that's all it takes. And and, the, and the, the doctors rehearse how to do it, as you say. There's a calmness about it because you've got to make, you know, the, the pressure of the decision should be based on the player welfare, not the state of the game and whether you're a, minute, whether you're a point behind and there's 20 minutes to go. That's, that shouldn't come into any yeah. decision that, that, a player, that a doctor has to make. Great point, uh, Dr. Peter Larkins, our guest. Delayed concussion, Peter, how, how common is that? Very, very common, and I'm, I watched Aaliyah, Aaliyah very closely in the 20 minutes he went back on, and I, was, I said to the people I was sitting and watching the game with, including a couple of Port supporters, as best I can, I'm going to watch him, because you want to see whether he's, he's missing the game, you know, where he's punching midair or running in the wrong direction or dropping a mark, and, and I thought he went back on, and I mean, Tyler Walker was having a night out, wasn't he, but... You know, I thought he didn't play too badly, but what is compulsory is the doctors then every five minutes go out and check with him because delayed concussion can come on quite a bit later. And so it is part of the AFL protocol that a, a, someone who's passed the head injury assessment or the scat test and diagnosed as not concussion and therefore returns on the night still has to be continually checked because delayed concussion, confusion, the headache, bit of blurred vision, the player has to put their hand up, but that can come on half an hour later or even after the game. Yeah I, yeah, I had a few of them, mate. They did come on after. Yeah, lost lost track of a lot of things. I just with the future. I mean, they're talking about the the, the repercussions now that Port Adelaide are going to cop here. They're talking fines. Yep. I mean, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I think someone told me that I, I vaguely remember this about 2016. They got fined twenty thousand dollars with Travis Boak going back on for some reason or other. There was a Jonas Butters incident, incident too. Yeah. So is yep. is it? There's never been any points loss or trade, you know, draft loss. It's it's all no. There was financial. Fine. There was fines yeah. made. So ever since yeah. the concussion protocols came in, there've been fines on a couple of um, occasions based on players returning when they should have been, or not testing a player when they should have been tested. Some of those have not been made public, and I'm not going to name them, but they did happen oh. a couple of years ago. Wow. So so the, the notice to the club doctors has been pretty strong. Um, but I don't think there's ever been a... I mean, I've, in the papers over here, and I'm sure it's the same there um, over here as in Melbourne, that, you know, they're talking about points being taken off or draft picks. I mean, I think that's a pretty big penalty. I, I think the concept of a fine is being looked at, and the AFL has to make a ruling on this and investigate it and talk to the player and talk to the club and talk to Mark Fisher and um, the medical advisory group that advised the AFL will make a ruling as to what AFL sanction might come in for port but I just think that with the backlash that it's had over here the last 
or around the nation, I think, the last 48 hours, that there, there may well be some financial thing come in with that. But it might be suspended. Who knows? Yeah, they're talking a big penalty. You hope one incident doesn't uh, taint his... Like you say, Mark's had a, a wonderful career and we've all made mistakes with, with commentators well, or footballers point, or whatever. I mean, Mark, you know, we're not talking about one of the Johnny-come-latelys or Jill-come-latelys yep. in the footy world here. We're talking about a guy that's got decades of experience up with mm. Port, right back to the times of the flag with Mark Williams. I mean, I, I mean I, and I'll put my hand up. Mark's a personal friend of mine and I'm not defending him. I'm just making comments that, that yep. you know, he's a guy that, that knows the rule. He, he knows the pressure and, and he's made a hundred good decisions, you know, every week about a player, whether it's, as I said, a tight calf, a sore hammy or, or whatever. Um, so you don't you don't want to judge a guy because he, he made one call that, that he, he perhaps got wrong and, and I don't, you know yep. it, it was a match where Port was under incredible pressure they were behind and I'm not saying he made the decision based on that but there's a lot happening in a match on the sidelines and as, yeah. as calm as the doctors might look on the outside to you Malcolm I can tell you they're, they're paddling pretty hard underneath so the duck sits on the water yeah. you don't see your heart have a leg for paddling under the duck on the lake and that's really what the doctors are doing because you know time is everything if you try to stitch somebody up or you try to make a decision about somebody with a cramp and, but the concussion stuff I think we all just take a breath sit back and you do your 15 minutes if you have to and, and I think that's the lesson for all the club doctors who will, uh, I mean they'll all be feeling sympathetic towards Mark um, but I think we're certainly not going to judge based on, on one decision um, that, that, that maybe he would like to have his time again as, as I said many coaches would in making moves on the field Malcolm. We know you've yeah. got work to get to thanks Peter really appreciate it. Yeah. Well it's nice to talk to you guys thanks. Dr. Peter Larkin's there and um, he summed it up well and you don't want to be um, your whole career and and they do a lot of this for nothing, isn't it, basically? It's just all their, their time they yeah, come out well. um, tainted by a wrong call. I think it was just bloody that we were so shocked to see the player come back on. Yeah. That, yeah. If it's a 50-50 thing, oh, mate, should they look at it? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I think I made a... A comment like they'll be booking a bit in the RAH, uh, the the hospital. That's how it yeah, looked. Sure. It looked like a train wreck. It did, I, and, and that's why I, that video stuff was so important. I can remember just going through it with the doctor at the Gold Coast, and and Mark Bickley did it all those years ago. As I've mentioned to Doc then and last night, that you know the video is so important. You must get hold of it. Well, we can go straight from Doc Larkins to and talk to young man making his way again. Where's the number, Mark Bickley? Richard yep. Douglas had too. We talk about Harry Schumberg for tyre power. Winter safety sale now on 25% off equivalent with four for three on selected Falcon tyres. Tyre power. Get your free five minute safety check. Harry, welcome to the show. Uh, nice to speak with you. Hey guys, how you going? <laughs> oh, you're nice and up. You're like blighty. That's great. Um, what a what a game it was. And it, it's funny when you look at a game, Harry. We could tell in the first basically 30 seconds. I think two crunching tackles from. Crouch and Laird set the scene for the, the Crows. I think one, one of them was on Ollie, Ollie Wine. So a terrific performance by the club. Yeah, no, it was a great win for the uh, footy club. Um, coming into the game, we sort of had a plan and um, we knew that uh, Port are really good at that contest and we knew if we matched it with him and, and beat him at that, we we could go a long way into winning the game. So, um, yeah, like you said, there was some big contests with obviously Crouchy and Lairdy and... Um, a few other players as well, but um, we were able to match in, match them there in the contest, and um, we were able to come away with a win, which was good. Was it, yeah, it wasn't just that they had a lot of inside fifties. The defence held up well too, but um, but you're right. It starts in the midfield. You have got the big bodies. They've got Rosie and Butters that are dangerous. But uh, yeah, it just seemed to it almost seemed to be the best four quarter performance for the year. 
Yeah, definitely. We uh, reviewed the game on Monday, and that's something that um, came from that, is that every player uh, played their role for four quarters. And, um, yeah, like you said, in the midfield, um, obviously Crouchy um, coming back and Laddie and um, Dawes as well, they, they played really good. And our back, back line as well was able to hold up. Obviously, Jordan Butts went down pretty early in the second quarter. Um, and to be able for those young backs to sort of stand up and um, hold up was great. So it was a good effort from all the boys. Now, just looking, you had to 15 touches were pretty handy and you got some mediage out of them. But one of the things I noticed, if you, know, if you, if you believe all the pressure points, I don't know who does this, they must have a, an unbelievable mind to do them. But you had 57, so you're right up there with Jordan, the skipper, and also Laity. So that, I mean, they're really good numbers and you floated in and out of the midfield. Where did you play mainly on the night? It was hard to pick up exactly. Yeah, yeah, I played it, played a bit in the mid, um, played a little bit up forward as well, and sort of that half forward that comes up to the to the stoppage. But um, yeah, a big thing in my game and um, what I'm trying to improve in my game is is my pressure acts and being able to press the game and apply pressure. And um, I think that's something if I can get that to a, a level, an AFL level, I can take my game to the next level. So um, that's something that I sort of worked on in when I went back into the sample and um, something I'm trying to continue working on it now that I'm back in the AFL. Now, I was just going to mention about the Sandfield. I mean, you're 22 now. You're in your fourth season. Congratulations on your first 50 games. Well done. It's always, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I think now's the, now's the drive, isn't it? This is where you actually start to... All that stuff you've learnt so far. But everyone was telling me your form in the Sandfield, you were knocking the door down. Smashing to get it a, down. You were smashing it to get a game. So, well done on that. And so now, coming in with good form this time, this is probably the best form you've been in uh, coming back into the team like this? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I started in the AFL side in the first two rounds and um, probably didn't start the year I, the way I would like. And, um, yeah, sort of went back to the sample to sort of go work on some things. Um, consistency was a big thing for me. And that's not just with actually playing. That's like throughout your week, planning your week and, and being a professional. Um, that's something that I sort of went back to the sample and, was able to work on and um, I put together a, a good solid two months of footy in the sample mm. and um, I was obviously waiting for my opportunity. The boys were playing pretty well and we didn't have too many injuries as well. So um, I was ready to go, but um, like I said, the team was playing well. But the last couple of weeks I've um, got my opportunity and um, looking to sort of stay in the AFL side and um, make that spot mine and play some good, consistent footy. Now, I look back to... Uh Harry, you you had you had thirty one disposals against Port Adelaide in the showdown round twenty one in twenty twenty one. You played twenty two games that season, so there's something there, isn't there? You know you can play a bit, and it's now the confidence that you've got out of just coming back into the team. Great win against Port Adelaide. So that, are they becoming your bunny, Port Adelaide? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be nice to say that, but um, I think in in my first year, we uh, was during the COVID year, and um, I was in, obviously in the twos, and we played four, I reckon, five or six times in trial matches, and, and they beat us every single time, so it's good to so, uh, finally get a few wins back on them, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say they're my bunny. <laughs> Spoke to Lockie Jones last week, and uh, Lockie plays everything flat out, and uh, we said, have the coaches spoken to you about maybe just getting out of a pack and looking back and assessing the situation. He said, oh, yeah, they tell him every week. I see a bit of that in you, Harry. You go like a bull out of a gate. That's your natural game. And, and sometimes you have a little bit more time to, to reassess. Have, have you been spoken about that too? I think Sam Berry early in his career was another one. It was just flat out and uh, 
maybe not just taking that little second to have a look around? Yeah, definitely. That's something I've worked on throughout my four years. Um, yeah, I've, I do like to play my footy pretty flat out. And, and um, yeah, that's something it's just like uh, my awareness. I'm trying to get a bit better at, um, sort of understanding the game a bit more. And um, as I play more games, it sort of slows down and, and you're able to do that. But um, I think at sample level, I was able to do that. Obviously, AFL is another step. So, um, yeah. yeah, sort of being able to do that AFL level um, is sort of the next step for me is, um, yeah, just being more aware and understanding, um, you know, the right positions I'm standing in and, and, and how I can impact the ball. And if I'm not, if I can't impact the ball, what I, where I'm standing and what I'm doing. So, um, yeah, that's definitely the next step. Um, well said. Normally us commentators look for, a, you know, a young lad coming through and get excited. But I was so excited to see Matt Crouch in his second game back do what Matt Crouch does and, his persistence, he's been you know, put through the ringer. He's had to go back and get his 35 possessions every week in the sample, kept his head up, helped you guys out. Uh, what a performance. Could easily have won the showdown medal if Tex hadn't kicked all those goals. He probably would have, but that was so good to see, Harry, you know, for Matt's sake. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I absolutely love Matt. Um, he was sort of my role model when I first come to the club. Um, I trained with him in the off-season, and, um, yeah, I couldn't be happier for him. Um, the way he's just gone about it, obviously, he hasn't played um, as much AFL footy as he would have liked to in the last two years, but just the way he's come back in the sample this year, I played a lot of footy with him in the sample, and he's been great for us younger boys, um, sort of leading by example, just the way how uh, professional he is, and just the way he takes the footy. Um, no, he's been so good, and um, couldn't be happier that he's um, earned his spot and, and how well he's played, and it's no real surprise. He's... Um, you know, he's always performing each week in the sample. So, no, very super happy for him and um, hopefully can continue that for the rest of the year. Now, you're a Mintero boy um, uh, from Woodville West Torrens and all that sort of stuff. Do you get back to the Clare Valley very often? I find it a great spot. Gee, I love going to the Clare Valley. like the wine. Yeah, I know, the wine. <laughs> Do you get back yeah, home wine, very yep, much? Yep. Yeah. Do you get home? Um, yeah, no, I absolutely love getting back home. Um, I'm originally from a farm, so... My dad's still back on the farm with my mum and um, I've got two younger sisters who are back on the farm. But, yeah, like you said, I absolutely love going back there. Um, my two younger sisters still play for the Montero Football Club in the, for the Nepal. So um, get back there and watch them, especially during the finals um, the last two years. But, um, yeah, I love going home. Um, it's only about an hour and 30 minutes, so it's not too much of a drive. So it's always good to get back. Yeah, now when you came back into the team, does Matthew Nix come up to you and say, I've got good, some good news for you, or does someone else do it? How did that all unfold for you to get back in and get excited about playing AFL again? Yeah, um, no, Nix is really good with that. Um, he sort of, we have a team selection meeting, um, which normally happens before the game, obviously, but um, he comes up to you personally and, um, yeah, he just comes up and lets you know the good news, so... Um, yeah, two weeks ago when he came up to me and had a big smile on his face, I knew it was good news. So, um, yeah. Just a quick one, Harry. Where were you when the, the big clash between Jones and Lear? It looked like a, a car wreck from a, up top. Were you close? Were you on the ground? Were you near there? Yeah, I was actually right right, sort of at that contest as it happened. So, um, yeah, oh. I sort of saw that unfold. So, yeah. Did you hear it? Did you hear the bodies clash? Yeah, I, yeah, I did hear it. It was, yeah, pretty solid solid hit um so yeah okay and uh gold coast this week good luck now harry you keep up the good work uh great to see you and crouch you back and you need a win it's all right to be win the showdown but you have to back it up with a win against the gold coast yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said before, we reviewed the game on Monday and obviously it was a great win, but we've moved on now. We've, um, we've got Gold Coast this week at home again um, on Saturday. So, like you said, it's a must win. And um, obviously last time we played him, um, sort of didn't go our way. So uh, we definitely own one. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, me and the team are really looking forward to playing him this weekend. And Mark Bickley said, keep playing well in that number 26. Thank Harry. <laughs> no worries. Thank you, guys. Harry Schomberg, our guest there, and playing some good footy. So it's, um, yeah, they, they need to win this week. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're up and about. Um, okay, bloody, it's just about it for us. To you, a big um, session there with Doc Larkins and, and Harry. And Harry, yeah. And um, the, the talking point is how much will Port Adelaide get fined? There will be a fine. We're talking, we've heard some big figures. Hope it's not yeah, too big no. and everybody learns from that mistake. So just like we do, we even make the odd mistake, Bloody. <laughs> Apparently. Well, maybe you don't, but <laughs> I certainly do. Mate, I've invented the word. Have a great night and we'll do it all, <laughs> do it all again tomorrow <laughs> between six and seven. Bye for now. Bye, David.